Yeah. And dig it. Yeah. All right. I well, light my face more. It's, it does what? Focused on it highlights your face more, so you're not focused on the background so much. Yeah. When the background's fuzzied out by the uh, algorithm that that uh, the Zoom uses. Okay. Anyway. Well, listen, man. I'm recording the show now. Where and this is an action. The, the last twenty seconds of uh, oh, conversation. Okay, sorry. Have been <clears throat> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, unless you have uh, some opening remarks, Fred, do you have something you'd like to say to the folks before we uh, start the actual show? Any pre-show thoughts? Uh, since getting back from Mexico, I'm a little constipated. That's about it. I don't know why. It seems odd, but other than that, things are great. Hang on a second. Let me just add that. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, heart rate sixty six. Uh, uh, by I the way, I'm that. I'm I'm down. I lost a couple pounds since. Uh, I got back. I'm down to 186, and I will put under my. I'm not constipated, right? But Don't you are. Your uh, heart rate's and I just did heart rate. Heart rate is 66. Oh, I you're going to tell us what? Okay, sorry. I just because I I I wanted to have Fred to know what my heart rate was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm down. I, I'm down a couple pounds since uh, I got back from Mexico and not constipated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. My heart rate is 71 uh, right now. Probably be a little elevated because I guess I'm thinking about being constipated. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, Dan, could you turn off the air before we start? Yeah, okay. Thank you, my friend. I, I gained about three and a half pounds during the second month away. And again, maybe that's because I'm constipated. Who knows, Howard? <laughs> but I thought it was going to be a lot worse. Although I... Towards the end of my month in Mexico, I noticed my shorts seemed looser, and I thought that doesn't make sense. I should be gaining weight. Like I should be, I should be a bloatus at this point, considering mm-hmm. how much exercise I've had and how much I've eaten and drinking, drinking, drinking. And then I thought of that, you know, book thinner. It's like the guy's eating and everything, but he's getting thinner and thinner. And then I'm that was a great book, by the way. Yeah, and then I'm thinking, does some Mexican like um, voodoo? Voodoo, somebody mm-hmm. touched me when I was downtown San Miguel. Then, uh, I don't yeah. know. All yeah, that was through right. my mind. <clears throat> yeah. Did you, did you yeah. see some voodoo there? Did you walk No, that's what, that's, seriously, that's what Mexicans are looking to do. Hey, who's that guy? Let's uh, put a spell on him so that he gets constipated. And he get, but at the same time, he gets thinner. Um, Dan, doesn't, Dan doesn't know his heart rate He doesn't know his weight He barely knows his age But we can find out if he is indeed constipated or not I am not constipated Thanks right. for asking, by the way I'm, oh, You're uh, very welcome yeah, I'm very happy with what's going on in that okay. department Well, let's, here's you know a, what? Oh, I'm sorry Here's a question do Just you want, one do question want, Ask the question and then we're going to start the show If given the choice, do you prefer constipation or diarrhea? I would have to say I would prefer myself <laughs> for myself. This is just me. I enjoy some diarrhea. <laughs> well, it, at, le- at least that way you feel like you've... Like something's happening. Yeah, you're not all bulked up in that sort of feeling. Dan, of- where do you land? Uh, mm-hmm. Diarrhea or constipation? I'd probably be more on the constipation side. I'm not a big fan of the diarrhea thing. Mm. Yeah, well, it does have yeah. it does have a tendency to chaff your asshole. Yeah, there's lots of side effects. <laughs> you can get a chaffy. Uh, you can get a bit of uh, rash, a rashy taint. 
There, the, there they go again, talking about <laughs> shit. There they go again. Yeah. Anyway, it's. A, I think that's a legitimate question <laughs> to start the day. Yeah. For guys in their sixties, I can't. I really, I really puzzling. can't wait to see uh, how you uh, how you describe this morning's show. You know, today on the show, filmmaker so and so and diarrhea or constipation. <laughs> Dandaran! This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto with a kitchen feed and from our Brampton Bunker Complex. It is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. And now here are two men whose appreciation of spring is renewed with rain and thunderclaps, along with the fresh smell of a batch of Costco size truck indictments. It's Humble and Fred. Mm, I had a uh, had a pretty decent sleep. Dan and I were talking about our sleep hygiene. I had the weirdest dream about you, though, Fred. I did. And it was very simple, this dream. It involved two elements. And this is true. In my dream, I guess you and I were somewhere where there was food. And uh, the reason I know we were somewhere there was food is because one of the two elements of this dream was me. But I'll get to that. Me eating. But in, in this event you and I were at, <clears throat> every time in my dream that I would see you, like it was almost like you would walk by me every so often and turn to me as, you know, sometimes when you're in a dream, it's like, you know, you just, these are just images you remember. And you just kept walking by me going, Alibaba, Alibaba. <laughs> I swear. Really? I swear that when I woke up, I sort of smiled and thought that was weird. Because in the dream, you would walk by me and go, Alibaba, Alibaba. And then the camera in my dream would turn on me, and I was mid-eating, you know, like sliced roast beef? Like, just a slice of roast beef. Not a thick slice, but like a deli slice of roast beef? Yes, yes. So, this dream went on for a while, where you would walk by me and go, Alibaba, Alibaba. And then I would, the camera would turn on me, and I had a fucking piece of roast beef that I was eating. And when I woke up, I'm like, did he mean Alibaba? The like, uh, is, isn't there like a, a chain of restaurants called Alibaba? Yeah, I think so. That's what I thought. Aren't they sort of, uh, like Middle Eastern restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. I think of the, uh, the Chinese version of Amazon. There's an Alibaba. Is that what it's called? And it's Chinese, and it's called Alibaba? Wow. I I don't know about that. But anyway, I woke up, and I thought, I wonder what that, because we've often talked about dreams that we have. Obviously, we're in each other's lives and have been for a long time, so subconsciously, I could have been thinking about you. But uh, yeah, the dream went on for a while, and every time you'd walk by me going, Alibaba, Alibaba. (laughs) And uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what that means, and... Did but uh, it did happy? amuse me. Pardon me? Was I was I happy while while blurting well, uh, Alibaba? Alibaba? You're always happy. You're always uh, you know filled with uh, impish joy. And so you and you were eating the sliced roast beef with your hand. Yeah, oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> like rolled up. Okay. Yeah, I was eating with the roast beef with my hand. Anyway, I told you to that that movie, The Whale, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, 
when he's eating the chicken. I mentioned this on the show the other day, and I just I can't get that image out of my mind because every time I drive to Mel's now, since I've been home several times, I drive by the KFC, and every time I see the KFC, I just imagine getting a big breast and eating it and having the grease all come down my face. Yeah. Because that guy... You know, he has he had his problems, but he sure made eating a piece of chicken look good. <laughs> yeah, that that guy had his problems. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was uh that movie. Have you seen it yet, Dan? Which one? The Whale. The Whale. Oh, no, I haven't. No. I did hear you talking about it the other day that the, there was no computer uh, um, enhancements for the most part in that movie. It was all Well, well what did I read? What I, I I did I was that a big giant fat suit? Yes. Okay. It, uh, partially created, uh, or mostly created by, uh, uh, I don't know if he's still living in Montreal, but he's a Canadian dude. I guess special effects. Well, where did I, where, where would I have gotten that notion that that was digitally enhanced? Well, everything is maybe these days, oh. but they didn't. There was, there, it was a pretty, they took it to the next level is apparently, okay. as far as the technology goes, they had to have well, tubes. It was four hours re- uh, in, in, uh, makeup. In makeup in the morning, and they had to have tubes uh, flow through his, his body to cool him, and it weighed kind of like what the what the that weight was, which is what he wanted, so it would you know he could move better in it. And uh, the face prosthetics with the uh, the hair sticking out took two days to build, and they had to replace them every single day. Jesus Christ, Dan, that's research here. You know. I often wonder about that. So when a guy like him, like he's a big actor, when you're reading the script and then you realize, you know, the producer, whatever, tells you this is what you're going to have to do every day during the shoot. How much that influences whether you want the part, because just think about that. You know, Uh, I know art is the thing, but that that's something. Yeah, it's pretty arduous. Um, But I'm I'm, I would guess at Brendan Fraser's, you know, level. He would know by virtue of the type of story it was and going through that. That's almost like assured Academy Award vibe, you know, because, yeah, Yeah. you know, do you think that movie Howard needed to start with him cuffing his carrot, though? Like that was sort of I I didn't think they needed to do that. Well, I'm not, you know, what the the director made choices, Fred. I I know, but it's like, what a a start. Well, that gives you an idea that even a, a giant man like that still has needs. <laughs> Me and Doug, buddy Doug are analyzing. Like, that's almost impossible because other scenes, you saw the big blob of fat the way it, it hung down below his legs. Like, how can he actually get his hand in under there and be pulling on it? Mm-hmm. Well, with that fat, and you know, we actually had a discussion with that. You, you broke it down, did you? Yes, we um, did. Well, it just goes to show you that no matter how big you are, a man will always find a way to get to his uh, <laughs> his hot dog. That's the where the will. <clears throat> there's a will. There's a will. There's a will. There's a way. Anyway, yeah. What a what a weird day for me. I woke up having this image of you in my head going Alibaba, Alibaba. Um, back to uh, I'm so I was mistaken. I was mistaken about the digital enhancement of uh, Brandon Fraser. Yesterday, I also said something that, and I was trying to think after the show, why would I have said it? Where did I get it from? When you announced to me that Finland had joined NATO after all these years. Yeah. And I said something about Poland. Yes. And I was wrong. because and, and 
Poland's been part of NATO for a while. But where right. I got that from, and I thought about it during the day, is last year when the Russian war atrocity on Ukraine was fresh, there was worry that he was going to attack Poland, mm-hmm. being part of NATO, bringing NATO into this war. So somewhere right. in my brain, I was sort of, whatever they say, yes. conflating that thing. Anyway, that's where I got it from. Okay. Just want to update that for people, you know? Okay. That's fine. I think I'm a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the show today, by the way, don't go away, Dan, but I just want to let everyone know we're, we're going to be talking to a uh, former um, Olympian, uh, Phyllis Ellis, who was in the 1984 Summer Olympics on the Canadian field hockey team. And uh, an actress and now an accomplished filmmaker. She's put together a documentary film called um, Category Woman. Yes. It's pretty fascinating. In light of all the talk that's been going on about trans athletes, this predates that discussion. And these are women in the Olympics from predominantly African countries some Indian that had high levels of testosterone and were being sort of discriminated against because they were not seen to be women. And so the Olympic, you know, and all the, the Olympic uh, committee and all their many faults, one of them was to test these women to see, in fact, if they were. And, and they all were, but they just happened to have been born with higher levels of t- testosterone. So she's going to be on the show. And I think it'll be an interesting discussion. And they were l- literally sort of penalized, were they not? Yes. Or prevented from competing. Uh, yeah, it, just weird story. In some cases, um, having made to take estrogen to yes. make it more fair and balanced for them to compete against what they were saying, quote unquote, regular women. But as I say, most of these women are from countries... They're black, they're Indian, and there's a whole weird sort of racism, discrimination, and uh, Phyllis will be joining us in about 15 or 20 minutes. Okay? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, that's going to be very, very interesting because, again, you know, there's a whole train of thought or, you know, opinion on the transgender thing this is like completely like, like this is it appears face value like total innocence mm-hmm. and to be penalized is is just weird mm-hmm. um i don't know if you want to get into it now or should we wait till after her during dan's news uh after the sherpa it's a busy show mm-hmm. right um is there any way we can do a, a sort of surface dive Versus a deep dive on yesterday's uh, Trump comings and goings without getting completely off the rails, filled with hatred. <laughs> well, not a lot happened anyway, so you can you can do it pretty quick, I'm sure. Well, no, but sometimes what I think makes people uncomfortable is that we get all wound up. I do. Oh, and speak loudly. Loudly and impassioned and say the swears and things. Mm. Yeah, I... Honestly, I don't like it. I just so totally disgusted by by it all. I, I, what is there to say? You go, you go, you go, you go. <laughs> like, 
Well, I have to admit that I was fascinated by it. I watched lots of the coverage oh, during so the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just start with that. Um, how much of it did you absorb yesterday? Uh, again, I don't even know where to begin with it because, again, you know, I said yesterday, I, you know, I hope this thing has some teeth. You know, and a lot of Trump detractors yesterday who hate him, John Bolton, say at the top of the list, who is saying, you know, I hate Donald Trump. I don't want him to be the leader. There's not a lot here. And then you hear other lawyers, like big-minded people going, hey, hold on, you know, we won't know about this until it gets to trial and we get more details. So you think, oh, okay, that's good. But what I find, to me, the overriding disturbance of it all Besides the fact it's not even going to, the next hearing isn't even until December. So what, we got eight months of this bullshit to look forward to? Is like last night at Mar-a-Lago. You know, it, it's just the cast of characters. Like, you tell me, bikers for Trump weren't invited to intimidate eventual jurors or or, 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 or the judge or, or the DA. You know what I mean? Like, those guys are there in their leather jackets and stuff. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's such an evil fucking prick. See, this is what I mean, Dan. See, we're getting right away. We get impassioned. We get aggravated. (laughs) You know, and his disgusting scumbag sons are there, and, uh, you know, and the pillow guy is there, and that whole cast of characters. Honestly, America, if that's not enough for you in what he said last night at Mar-a-Lago in front of that crowd you know rehashing the same bullshit grievances yeah that that's what bothers me like i don't know about the court case honestly we're not lawyers and they may have a bag of tricks you know for the trial and i hope they do and blah 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 it's just the disturbing behavior of this guy the blatant intimidation you know attacking the guy's wife the da's wife his daughter like this is this is creepy stuff and if that's not enough for those millions of Americans who still love this orange pig, then I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to well, say. Well, okay. Now, and again, I, 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 I wanted us to have a discussion where, you know, tempers didn't flare. Uh, but it's hard. <laughs> no, I'm being emphatic. I'm fat. I know you are. I'm just teasing. Um, and, uh, and Fred really has nothing to say about it. So, Fred, uh, well, Howard, I'll go now. I asked you to yeah. go out. No, no, no. So, I'm just saying I don't have a lot to say about the trial and where. No, no, no. And, and I understand. That's all. Yeah. And, and obviously, I'm aligned with you on most of what you just said. And I was disappointed. I'm going to just park that for a second. I'm, I was disappointed by the fact that as a non-lawyer, it seemed to me that there wasn't a lot in that. But then I watched a lot of the coverage. And again, smarter people than us explained that that's how indictments go. But the problem with it is whether it will be, there'll be more teeth in it at trial. We have to wait eight months, as you said. And in those ensuing eight months, there's just so much there for his supporters to show that it's like really nothing. But at the base, and I, you know, I got a little impassioned yesterday with Dan when he came back. I said, what I don't understand is at the base, I mean, I started being that guy. What I don't get is how they, they were, the, the, the supporters were all saying, well, there's no teeth in this indictment, et cetera, et cetera. But I said, at the very basics of it, he paid off a porn star um, he had an affair with a woman and apparently paid off his doorman to cover up an Ill- illegitimate child he had. None, none of those was, let me calm down. None of those people ever want to talk about that. Well, of right. course they do. So, so that bothers me. 
but but the my over my overriding takeaway from it was this so there he goes to court, historic, first time an ex-president's been charged. He comes through the doors, and he's got a very serious look on his face. They showed the pictures from the courtroom, and he looked, uh, the word is chastened, you know, sort of humbled a little bit, um, a bit, maybe even like, wow, you know, I've never, you know, knowing what you know about the guy and his uh, psychotic narcissism, like he never thought he would ever have to pay for any of these things he's done. And then you think, well, maybe I thought of, I thought of something you said a long time ago. You said in the fall of 2016, you said, hey, let's give him a chance. Maybe he'll be different in office. And I'm not holding you to that because you'd think in natural human nature is you think, hey, maybe this will change him. And sure enough, it didn't. Sure enough, nothing about that court appearance made him humbler or made him think, you know, you know, America. This was unprecedented. Um, here we're, here's where we're at, we're at. Maybe bring people together. But during his actual trial, Don Jr., his idiotic <laughs> fucking simpleton of a son, that's when he started tweeting pictures of the judge's daughter. The judge says to him, they, they, were, gonna, they were wondering about a gag order. The judge said to him during, his, uh, during the indictment hearing, hey, listen. I'm not going to put a gag order on you because you're the nominee for the Republican Party. But just keep some of this, you know, keep that in mind and try not to, you know, be be inflammatory or whatever he said to him. And there he is last night talking about the D.A. should be arrested. The judge is crooked and on and on and on. And I guess I'll just finish by saying there was no change in the guy. No. The special counsel, Jack, Jack Smith, is a lunatic. Yeah, like, a lun- by the way, a lunatic, if that's his real name. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Well, this is what I'm saying. The, that more than anything else, the arranged intent intimidation is what bothers me. It's like mafia stuff. Oh, yeah. And this is what's happening out of that. You know, this is a former president, could be president again. Who knows? That's what I find really disturbing. And attached to that, forget Trump now. It's, you know, the people that still. Like, and again, last night I'm flipping around, like on Fox News, there's Lindsey Graham again, almost crying for money. This has got to stop and everything. And you can't help but think about, as you said yesterday, back a few years ago, when he's, you know, ripping Trump apart when he was running for president, Lindsey Graham or whatever, the nomination. Um yeah, just disgusting. And like this morning here, you know that Jesse Waters guy on uh, Fox? Mm-hmm. Just a, a, again, another creep. King size creep. He says the only people more clueless than Alvin Bragg are his supporters. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You know, it was just Friday that a judge in wherever, New York or whatever, allowed the Fox Dominion voting machines trial to go to trial. No, exactly. No. And just all that's involved there, right? And all the people that watch Fox News are totally aware now that they've been handed a load of bullshit over the past several years. What about those supporters? I think they're a bit dumber than anybody that supports <laughs> I would Elvin say. Bragg. You, you know, know it, it's just all that stuff. You. This is why you've got to sort of pull away from it because... It's just frustrating. Well, it is frustrating, and and, um, and Dan could hear the frustration in me yelling at the TV <clears throat> on several occasions. You know, including that lit- litany of grievances that was 
and, and just from a from a sort of I don't know, like it wasn't it wasn't the speech you'd think he'd give. And it wasn't very well done. And it was reading off the prompter like he does. And it, it wasn't yeah. very energetic. And it all it was was just a, a greatest hits of all the people. The, the weird thing is, and I thought of this as I was going to sleep. Even if you're a Trump supporter, isn't there any point where you go... Can re- is it is it really everyone else's fault? Is everything rigged against this guy? Is it possible that every single charge against this man for forty five years is somebody yeah. else? At some yeah. point, even if you're a dummy, you have to kind of go. Well, that just statistically doesn't make any sense. Well, there's the irony of it too, because when he stood up there last night and he's rolling through all the charges against him i'm (laughs) that's a lot well like why are you even mentioning this you're reminding everybody in fact yeah a conservative commentator on cnn i forget his name i like the guy looks a bit like a bulldog yeah Um, i like him too plus the by the way the conservative uh the republican uh, woman they had on last night yes who But anyway, he made that point, too. It's like, why are you reminding everybody of all the charges against you? It's like you can't help anybody in the middle or is or who isn't a diehard Donald Trump fan are going, oh, right. That one. That one. Oh, Oh, yeah. Right. But none of it's his fault. Like, it's It's never his fault. Here's, uh, of course, one of his acolytes, the stupid, you know, enabler, Jim Jordan. He tweets last night. The indictment wouldn't happen. If President Trump didn't run for office and then somebody tweets back, he wouldn't if he hadn't run for office, he wouldn't have committed the crime, you jackass. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what none of these guys seem to want to talk about. George is, Conway had a great uh, response to that, too. I don't have it at hand. But that actual tweet. Oh, yeah. Was interesting. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that none of them people want to talk about the fact that an actual crime was committed and what it was like. They keep just trying to discredit Michael Cohn and this guy and that guy. Why? Well, I, I had that clip yesterday of all the people in Trump's orbit that have been arrested. It's, it's unbelievable, really. What was George Conway's response? Oh, just, you know. You know, he he wouldn't have a trial. There wouldn't wouldn't go to trial and let you know if Donald Trump wasn't like a narcissistic lunatic or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I noticed that last night as he was coming into the Mar-a-Lago and this kind of surreal, almost like I'm almost like Dan, like a, a movie where everything is overdone. The bikers and Mike Lindell and Marjorie Taylor Greene. It almost seemed like. You know, just a bit surreal, like the, the how opulent that place is, how gaudy it is. And here you are at Mar-a-Lago. This is what really bothers me about that Mar-a-Lago. You know, it's a big ballroom. Everybody's there in suits. And it's one thing for bikers for Trump to be there. But wearing their leathers. Tell me that's And it's the first thing you see. Mm hmm. Tell me that's not designed, organized intimidation. That's what it is. Because anybody that now between for the next eight months is going to get all this bullshit and all this intimidation talk. And then they're going to then all of a sudden one day you're going to get a thing in the mail that you're going to be a juror for this. Mm -hmm. What do you think? And this is happening at the highest level. Of, of American society like it's like to me that is very disturbing 
Well, and again, back to the fact that the judge said to him, hey, let's just try and, you know, keep this civil. Mm-hmm. Let's try and keep it cool. And, you know, he's attacking the DA. He's attacking the judge. He has pictures of the reason that, for people who don't know, the reason that Don Jr., that idiot, was uh, tweeting pictures of the judge's daughter because she had worked um, on the campaign for Kamala Harris. So yeah. what? Yeah. Like, they're all working on the campaign for this you know, fucking idiot. Um, anyways, Dan, did, did, did that? Do you think we got through that ten or twelve minutes in a civilized, yeah, think, civilized I, manner? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Except for the raising the voice thing. Oh, I there was some voice raising. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing that I thought I, I, you mentioned disappointment. The thing that disappointed me was how uh, granular and long the undeserved coverage of the and i get it that it's unprecedented but i thought the uh, the arraignment was going to be happening at 10 yesterday morning so i tuned in to see what was going on and and then realized after the, that it wasn't until 2 or 2:15 mm-hmm. or something but you know the, all the anchors and the talking heads are doing all their thing all day long into that and then after that and then you know there was yeah Trump rung him in last week when he uh, said that they were going to indict him last week and or whenever that was. And just it's just stunning that they're not realizing that all this exposure yes. gets more of this bullshit. No, I know. But it's like, you know, it's why TSN has a 10 hour trade deadline. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know what I mean? It's content for these people. One other thing I will say that I find, you know, at the very base the aggravation and when you sit there and you go you know i'm a level-headed logical person i think like what are they talking about you know the picture of trump with the baseball bat yeah and then elvin bragg or whatever is you know is there and it looks like he's gonna hit him over the head yeah two pictures back to back yeah so trump people are defending that like well no he was holding a baseball bat because it made for an american uh, company somebody else superimposed that head there okay But Donald Trump posted it. (laughs) No, I know. You know, there's the thing. Yeah, somebody else did that. But Trump saw and thought, geez, I like that and posted it. That's the issue. It doesn't matter who made it. Exactly. And everything, everything, including this is a perfect example of everything is beside the point. Exactly. Everything in their universe is Mm -hmm. just back to him relaying all the grievances and all the court cases against him. You'd think that you would a a bright man would want to not talk about that. But to them, it's beside the point. It's, oh, look at all these people attacking me. Yes, because you committed crimes. The fact that he keeps referring to that Georgia call as a perfect call and the Ukraine, Ukraine and the Mueller hoax, like it's all beside the point. You, you were under investigation because you're a bad dude. Uh, but by the way, Dan, as far as covering, covering the thing all day long, you know, I start watching live from the Masters in the evening, but there, there's coverage from the Masters all day long. Like there's different anchors and different people, just just like there is at CNN. But I could start watching it at ten o'clock this morning. You know, and, and that's another thing. Um, how we're sort of uh, a lot of people. You know, I'm I'm looking at people at the hockey game last night, the baseball game in Kansas City, and I thought, oh, geez, none of those people are watching the Trump stuff right now. I'm flipping back and forth. To a lot of people, it's over there now because, and for that reason, it's just something over there. For that reason, there's so much coverage, people become numb to it. But let's not kid ourselves. Yesterday was a, like, king-size, major league 
historic day. And if there was not the 24-hour news cycle, more of the world would be attached to that. Yeah, it's true. Just, we've, we've just become so... You know what I mean? It was so numb to it. So so much information, so much needless information that the end result is like a lot of people just they've had enough. They've had no, enough. I, I, that's a great point. In the in the yeah. olden days, if that was just uh, something that happened on the six o'clock news, everyone would have been riveted yes. to it. And mm-hmm. to your point, I think it's a good one that, yeah, don't kid yourself. Yesterday, something happened that has never happened in the history of that country. And, the, you know, the weird thing is, and again, I know this is a, a bit of gaslighting and a bit of whatever there's a, a term for it, but all the things they say, the weaponization of the government, the, you know, the, 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 the country's turning into a banana republic, it's because of them. You know, like I said the other day, you know, AOC and the squad, you know, they may be a bit kooky, but they're not dangerous and in a way that Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene was in New York yesterday and she got screamed out of like she was there for a protest. And within minutes, the New Yorkers just basically shut her down. But mm-hmm. don't get, you know, don't get they what they're doing. And Dan pointed this out. Um, tell me, say what you said to me yesterday at dinner about the handbook, the fascist handbook. Oh yeah, there's a if you, <clears throat> there was a, a person who did a lot of studying about how uh, fascism took over, how you know all these leaders uh, took over and uh, came up with a basically a playbook that they all do, and Trump, you know, from Nazi Germany to wherever, and uh, this is exactly. <laughs> The playbook, whatever right. Trump is doing, getting, you know, making, putting doubt in people's heads about the media. That's and, right. And, and just grinding on all these things about all the institutions that we have in our society. All of them are screwed up and all of them are against him. And then it, it creates this distrust for the government. And that's where you start to get, you know, in, you know, further inroads into the society with your fascist state because everybody thinks he's the solution. Yeah. And it's just, it's bizarre because. You know, there are, I think maybe it was John Bolton, who I'm not big on either, but, and just some other reputable Republicans saying, you know, there are other candidates. It's not like he's the only guy that would be a good candidate for president. And their frustration is we should go that route because there's a chance that this guy has no chance of winning a general election because of all the things you just mentioned. And not only, but but what about the uh, a layer below that? He shouldn't be in charge of the country again. He was a lousy president. He's a bad fucking guy. You know, again, back to my it's always beside the point. No, I know, but that's um you know, somebody might argue, you know, he's never been convicted of anything. He's now been charged but never convicted and you got to allow due process. I, I just what what bothers me is how decency has been lost. You know, OK, so I'll go with you. He's never been convicted. But, you know, we've all read enough. And, and I, I know I read a bunch of Trump books, but he, there's no, 200 no. people around his universe that have been that have been convicted. That have I, been arrested I just say that's and convicted. the argument that you're yeah. going to get. But but all, mm-hmm. I don't think there's an argument to be had that he was a great president. And, and, a, and a dividing force. And look where the country is now. Look where it was in 2015 when Obama left it. And look where it is now. Mm-hmm. And that's not here's, that long ago. Here's where that country's at right now. Another thing that I find frustrating. LSU won the Women's NCAA Basketball Championship. Beat Iowa. Yeah. So Jill Biden, who's at the game afterwards, says 
LSU. Of course, they'll be invited to the White House. But, you know, it was such a great game. We should probably invite Iowa, too. The shit has hit the fan over that because you just don't do that. It's the winner. It's not the loser. So it's just like anything anyone says on the other side, (laughs) you take it and you attack. And you know what it's degenerated into now? The Iowa team has mostly white players, and the LSU team had mostly black players. So Jill Biden is a racist because she, you know, it bothers her that LSU, all those black kids are going to come to the White House. She, so she wants Iowa to come to balance it out. That's this. This what? is who's, the, she, who's the she? Jill Biden. You said she. Jill Biden. Jill oh, okay. Biden. Oh, Jill Biden. Yeah. Jill oh, Biden. I'm sorry. They said Jill Biden. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Jill Biden. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Jill Biden. So yeah. that this is what it's become now. This 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 type of mudslinging now. It's like no. you can't. It doesn't matter what the other side does now. It turns into this. And she just said it just to be a nice woman. Yeah, oh, and don't kid we yourself. Should invite both. We should invite both teams. Like, no, you can't say that. And yeah, don't kid yourself that a lot of the vitriol and the negative uh, comments about the DA in New York City are because he a black man. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it is. Well, listen, Dan, you know what we need right now? Uh, some quiet. We need some quiet. <laughs> we, need, we need a palate cleanser. And let, me, let me just say one thing. Alibaba. Alibaba. Alibaba, Alibaba. Alibaba, Alibaba. Dan Duran's news coming up. That'll be a nice uh, change from all this nonsense. Hey, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one uh, group benefits plan for small business. Small business being one, say, to 100 employees. Yeah, one to 100. Uh, If you have a small business, you've thought about a benefits package for your people. Check this out. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. That's the official name, but go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote, uh, do some research, find out what it's all about, what you get, how much it's going to cost you. There's different levels you can buy in at, you know, prescriptions and dental and travel and uh, therapies. It's all there. Again, take the time today. You'll be pleasantly surprised that you can be part of this. Chamberplan.ca. You know, in an ideal world, the first time you get into an electric car, you'd have someone trust walk you through everything you need to know. You know, just like your parent or driving teacher did when you first learned to drive. If this is your first foray into trying electric, we highly recommend EVNet.ca and the full experience. With an experience, you get an, an EV advisor answering all your questions. You get to take the car home, not just for a little test drive, but as I've mentioned, you can rent it for a day, for a weekend, for a week. You get an experience with an electric car, and it really is an experience. I've been uh, back uh, driving for the last couple of days since we got back from Mexico, and I got to tell you, it really is different. The electric experience is designed to provide people with an affordable way to get into an electric car without having to commit to a pers- uh, to a purchase. Visit Electric Experience. Go to evnet.ca. I can tell you these people are so great to deal with. Uh, it's been a, uh, a wonderful experience for me. And, um, you know, this is going to be a, a big test for me because 
most of the winter, whether it's the Kona that we have uh, shared, you and I, or the uh, Tesla that I'm back into now, the 3 Series, the Tesla Model 3. And i got to tell you, Fred, now mm-hmm. coming into golf season yes. uh, and learning, like Rudra has experienced this and a bunch of my friends have, learning how to go about the world, charging it as you go, because I've been charging it in my house. I haven't really done any road trips, but it apparently is so convenient and so easy, uh, and that is part of the evnet.ca uh, experience, so go check it out. Like, that, that is something I've been thinking about, like, you know, I've got some tournaments coming up in May, you know, one is in uh, St. Thomas outside of London, and I was thinking, okay, well, now I'm going to have to be one of those people, and apparently it's as easy is just, you know, there's an app. You, on, on the Tesla app, there's also an app that can show you where along whatever route you're going to, in Ontario especially, mm-hmm. that you can go and charge your car. So I'm kind of looking forward to that because I've been basically home-based for uh, three or four months when I was here. You know. Right and, on. Uh, you know, the, the, the range of this uh, car that I have is close to 400. Some of them are more, but that, that's what I think is kind of average, about 400 kilometers. Yes. I don't know. I don't need to drive. I almost never drive. I don't know about you. I guess, what is your drive to the cottage? Uh, it's about 200 each way. Yeah. So I'm not doing much more than that, you know, over the course of a summer. It's just more about like, okay, I got to get used to like... You know, where are those charges located? And and here in the city, they're everywhere. Yeah, it's just going to be, you know, I noticed when I was in Mexico and San Miguel, just that little mall near us right in front of the Soriano, which was the grocery store. There was, you know, was there really? charging stations. Yeah. You know, something occurred to me. And I know we're waiting for our director friend and she'll be here in a second. But something occurred to me, and I know this, this is probably a topic we may have even covered on uh, Aging with Energy, the old guy's travel show. Mm-hmm. But um, I had this conversation with some dudes, the older dudes I was hanging out with, and uh, it came up because our friend Bill was planning a, uh, a nice trip this spring to go to Europe. And a couple of the guys I was with were planning to get away from San Miguel for a couple of months and, and do some traveling. And these are all guys in their 60s and 70s who were basically planning the trip themselves. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because it wasn't that long ago, you know, people our age, if you were planning a, you know, to go on a river cruise in Europe and fly to Italy and then stay over here and, you know, do this and that, you would only do it with a travel agent. Yes. You know, and you and I have traveled quite a bit the last few years, and all of it's been done by ourselves. Yes. Yes. What ha- what has happened to that industry? I don't even know. They seem to be still be around. I or I drive by malls that say like Marlin. <laughs> no, I know. But is yep. it for the old guard or? I don't know. It, 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 can you think of a, a scenario that you would need to go and have somebody? help you plan a trip now well well maybe maybe if i wanted to even that i don't know because i've done that you know toured through rome north and rome south and we sort of did it ourselves based on research but maybe you know there's people maybe nervous and about that would go to a travel agent and say here's what i want to do what's the best way to do it yeah. And have them map it out. I don't know. 
But I, I found it interesting, just uh, as a side note, that these were men and uh, women in their, you know, some in their late 60s and 70s that were fairly comfortable. Like this one guy from uh, Seattle was going on a 50-day European trip. All over Europe, different, you know, and different travel arrangements, going to see his daughter in New York first, flying here and there. And I said, to, I actually said that to him. Did you use a travel agent? He was like, no. He's comfortable enough doing it online. And I thought, you know, it's funny because my mom and dad or my parents would have never done that. Your parents would have never done that. No. No. It's, uh, I don't think my mom and dad ever, ever. They went to a couple of islands, like they went to Montserrat a couple of times in Florida. But I don't think neither of my parents ever were to Europe. Were yours? Um, your dad ever? Well, my other, dad. Other your than dad wor- went to the war. Yeah. Right? Other than World War Two, I don't think my mother yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't really remember them. Like my mom got my mom got pretty sick pretty early, like before they were retirement age. So they never really did a. A bunch of traveling, I don't think. My mom always wanted to go to England, but she was a f- terrified to fly, so that's really? a problem. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Crazy. She didn't like flying. And all the conversations I had with her, you know, showing her the research, showing her the, the statistics of the safety of commercial air flight and air flight. Uh, commercial no, air, <laughs> air flighting mm-hmm. yeah um, um air travel uh didn't um i don't know you know there are people that drive to where we were in mexico oh no i know there are absolutely i told you my cousin uh glenn had a uh, bought a winnebago and, and towed a car behind it. he loves mexico his intention did i tell you this story his no. intention was to drive to like Mazatland area because he likes that, and then where Dan was, on. yeah. Anyway, so he gets to the border and he crosses the border, and it was right around that time that there was all that cartel um, problems in northern uh, Mexico. I was towards the end of uh, January, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he crosses the border and he starts driving only a few miles, and there's the roadblocks, and they say turn back. It's too dangerous to keep going. Really? Oh yeah. So that was a little unsettling. So he turns the Winnebago around, heads back towards the States, and the cops drive up beside him and pull him over and charge him for some little thing about his license plate or something. And he had said to them, he said, he said, oh, okay, like, you know, give me the ticket. And they said, no, no, 150 U.S. And he goes, well, okay, can we go to the closest town and I'll, and I'll pay it? He was a bit brazen bigger balls than i had and they said no no you pay now 150 us so he had to peel off that and give it to them obviously he was just he was getting screwed yeah no kidding by the cops as they do down there sorry but that's what they do 100 percent they do and then he got back across the border and he thought i'm it freaked him out he said he's never he's never gonna drive in mexico again didn't you also have a story wasn't it i can't remember if it was danny or somebody that was also shaken down he was down at uh, Baja. What is that? Uh, San Lucas or whatever. San Luis Abismo. Yeah, that resort area, the yeah, San yeah. Baja there that everybody likes. Yeah, they went to a nightclub one night, and they're waiting for the bus on the way back, and one of the kids just went over to a bush and, and 
and peed into in in the bush and the cops just came out of nowhere and they had to pool their money come up with 500 pesos just to pay the cop there (laughs) on the spot or who knows where the kid would have ended up but yeah that happens and it happened to my cousin and he said it bugged him it just bothered him because again listen there's police corruption everywhere no but that would never that pro, that wouldn't even happen in the states where you got to give them cash on the spot. No. It just but, doesn't happen. But I got to be honest with you, I'm not, none, none of, not, neither of those two stories surprises me. No. No. You know, I'm I in fact it's funny because outside of where I was in San Miguel there was a police uh stop almost daily. Yeah. And to be fair, they weren't stopping me. They were stopping Mexicans. Yeah. And I thought of that. I remembered you telling me that, you know, I think it was Danny that had had some trouble. And I thought, you know, I don't know what they're pulling people over for, but I hope they don't pull me over. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So everyone's, I got two people now entering the, uh, the room. I've got Phyllis and somebody named Ingrid. I'm not sure. Uh, we were expecting just Phyllis Ellis and now she's gone, and now just Ingrid is remaining. Okay, Phyllis is back. Let me uh, just uh, update everyone. Uh, Phyllis? Yes, I'm here. Oh, hi. It's like you're there in two different places. Really? Yeah, because I've got Ingrid. It says Ingrid and Phyllis. Who's Ingrid? Ingrid is the public relations. Okay. Um, well, Ingrid, Ingrid doesn't need to be here if she doesn't want to. We're not. Ta- are we talking to Ingrid or are we both? We're just talking to you, Phyllis. Talking to me. Fantastic. Right um, we've uh, we talked earlier about why we were going to talk to Phyllis Ellis, who uh, did Canadian field hockey in the 1984 Olympics and uh, has become a uh, an accomplished filmmaker. And the uh, documentary is Category Woman. You can stream it now at tvo.org. And Phyllis, part of the reason, well, it's an interesting story that you've told. We've been talking a lot here on the show about Mm -hmm. the the world of trans athletes and, and if they should be allowed to compete as women in athletics. And then your documentary is is another level of i would say discrimination and racism but yeah. maybe you can tell the story because i said earlier on the show that I, I was fascinated just even by the trailer and how how these women who just happened to have higher levels of testosterone were being ostracized and and discriminated against so maybe you pick up the thread of the story sure um yeah so the the trans story is another it's another documentary um, equally as important in a very large conversation. Um, this particular story is um, sort of falls out of about 80 to 90 years of sex testing in Olympic sport. So I was sex tested as an athlete. Um, and what we would get, so it, sex testing officially started unofficially in about 1930. 1936 was the first sex test. Helen Stevens was an American athlete that was officially checked, physically, physically checked. And I don't mean they take, you know, a little blood test. They actually look at your body, do an internal, mm-hmm. you know. And then sort of in the mid 40s, they, um, you had to go to a doctor and the doctor had to say, yes, you're a woman. And then you could go compete in the Olympics. 
And then between officially about 1966, they started doing what was called nude parades, where the all athletes, all sports from all countries, summer and winter Olympics, women only, never men, had to walk in front of doctors and they would touch you and look at your breasts and look at your genitalia and say, yeah, you pass, you fail. For, that was for a couple of years. And then in 1968 to 2000, it was the official sex testing at all Olympic Games, winter and summer, all women, all sports. And um, they were called gender testing, sex testing, femme testing. And you would get a card and the card would say, yep, you're a woman. So you had your Olympic lanyard and then you had your, your lanyard that checked you off and said, pass, fail. There were all kinds of different ways that they tested us for, um, you know, to prove that we were women. None of them scientifically sound, and they all got debunked over the ways. Around 2000, a lot of the sport governing bodies, sport is like a, um, it's like the the, the Vatican. There's the the Pope, and then there's all these archdioceses, and the archdioceses Mm -hmm. are all these sports. And so different sports said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to check the women out when we when they dope. But the Olympics kept um, official sex testing through the 2000s. And what I meant by doping is when you get doped, like if you win a medal or they do a random, you go in and you're you're naked from the 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 you know chest down, and somebody is about two feet from you looking at you while you're urinating, and they're looking right at your body. And what they would do is they'd say, well, oh, Phyllis, geez, I don't know, something looks, okay, thanks, thanks for your urine, Phyllis. And then they would go back and kind of whisper and say, Phyllis looks a bit weird. I don't know, maybe you want to do, maybe there's something going on there, whatever, whatever. And what we know from science, I am not a scientist, I'm a filmmaker, so I talk to a lot of scientists. And I talk to a lot of, you know, really key epidemiologists and researchers in this space um, you know, there is there's like five thousand five hundred and eighty eight different what they call differences in sex development. So your all of our bodies are different. And if your body doesn't look quite like what people are used to seeing your body look at, they would call you out. So some women were called out kind of in the mid 2000s. Most of the most women from the global south, you know, Asia, Africa, sub-Sahara. And then in 2009, Castor Semenya, who is this phenomenal athlete from South Africa, um, she was only 18 years old, and at the World Championships, when Usain Bolt beat the the, the field by half a track, she built, beat her field in the 800 by uh, a, a significant distance, not unlike Sebastian Coe when he w- won. Uh, anyway, they the 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 athletes called and said, "Oh, she's a man," and then they did this like extremely aggressive battery of tests, and then her personal medical records were leaked to the world media. And that sort of started this whole kibosh from then until now. And um, it's not just world athletics. It's um, FIFA, although, you know, they're trying to make some adjustments to the regulations. So what they did was they put in these regulations. And instead of calling it sex testing, they called it um, differences in sex development and whatever. And they they, they glommed on to testosterone, which... Um, so I'll explain it to you this way. So let's say um, the, the tobacco companies have their own scientists and they do their tobacco testing and they say, oops, there's no problem. Cigarettes are fine. <laughs> so that's basically the kind of science that was done that applied to I'm just going to use World Athletics. It was called the IAAF at the time they rebranded because they had kind of a bad rap. And uh, so they had their own scientists do these 
tests to say, yep, testosterone is bad. Uh, women that and the women in the film, that's how they're born. They're women. They're born women. They, they live as women. They compete as women. And and they and they are they are being targeted. So they have this higher level of testosterone that in within these regulations is allegedly a performance advantage. Um, and uh, so it's really it's complicated in the science, but really simple in the humanity. Yeah, Phyllis, let's, let, let's just jump in because there's so much there. But my first reaction is what in the absolute fuck? took so long no but seriously because because this this i when i watched the uh, the trailer and read about this like i it seemed to me like this was some kind of recent event but as you say it's been going on for a long time how did women ever allow this go to to continue and how is it allowed to continue well those are two questions two separate questions so if we're going to look at the patriarchy and misogyny and you know we're going to you know sort of overlook and you know pardon you know the direct reference but when you have a um a a a vatican that is predominantly um white men with a certain level of fear around strong women strong women's bodies i mean there's a i'm not a social scientist and i'm not you know i am a filmmaker so i'm only receiving my information from the experts so you know i don't want to be quoted as you know i get enough hate mail with this film as it is it's it's um you know, that, that's a larger question. But you see, women were, were not included in the original sort of, I think, in 19, was it 1898 that Pierre de Coubertin said, we're going to do the Olympics again, but women can't come. And then, of course, the suffragettes and things happened in France, and then women sort of created their own Olympics, and then they amalgamated. Um, why did they allow it? That's I think that's a, a larger question. And I think it's also, you know, if we push into sort of a blame question, you know, we can talk a little bit about... Um, you know, the formulation of the dynamic between, you know, men and women. Um, secondly, how did it go on that long? Um, yeah, it's just uh, you know, now, now hyper-focused on women from the global South. And uh, I think, I think the bigger question too, it, not sort of how did it happen, but um, why are we doing this? Um, you know, so because well, when you look at girls having operations and you look at experiments basically being done on athletes for them trying to figure out how to fix this problem with healthy athletes that don't have an issue. Well, that's the thing. The testosterone thing I don't understand. Like, are they being accused of that that being a supplement like or like women naturally some women naturally have a higher level level of testosterone. That's natural. Do they yeah. have ways of determining whether that's. Yes. A supplement or cheating like uh, there yes. seems to be a gray area there. Well, yeah, no, I mean, this isn't this isn't a doping issue. So this isn't um, uh, WADA. This isn't the World Doping Association. That's okay. sort of predominant. Although WADA does our doping tests. Um, no, this is a natural level of testosterone. But if I could put it in context for the listeners. Um, so they call it performance performance advantage. Right. OK. Right. Fine. So let's just say I have high testosterone and that makes me um, really, really a good 800 meter runner. Well, I have a really um, high MBO2 pickup, which means my maximum volume of oxygen. So I could smoke five packs of cigarettes and go run a marathon. I've also got really fast twitch fiber. That's what makes me unique. All all Olympians are phenoms in their own way. So Michael Phelps has a 700 foot wingspan and and size 22 feet that are like flippers. Mm -hmm. Um, Usain Bolt has his stuff. Taco has his advantages. 
you know, they were just talking about a six foot something woman in the NBA. All of those are performance advantages we all have as athletes. That's, you know, and if you, you know, you can't level a playing field because. Well, Phil, you know, if I may, but what, what are all those, I'm just telling all those things are what made them the elite athletes they are. Continue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and two males can have different levels of testosterone. So if yeah. a female happens to have a higher level of testosterone, which makes her perform better, lucky her. Like, yeah. isn't that what it comes down to? Yes, I, 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 I do think that there are those athletes that are, you know, extraordinary that, you know, make a make a moment in their sport. And mm-hmm. sure. You know, and, and I think that part of the part of the argument was, well, these athletes came out of nowhere and all of a sudden they, you know, they had mm-hmm. big wins. Well, there was, um, you know, uh, a white girl that just won or just I don't know if she just set the 800 meter record, but she she just won a big 800 meter record by an awful lot. But, you know, she's not tested for high T. Well, that's what I was going to say when I was watching the trailer and I and I and I was looking at some of the information. It seems to me, and as you mentioned, and I don't want to gloss this over because it seemed to me that a lot of these women uh, starting with Castor and continuing on. They're from Kenya, Uganda, uh, yeah. India. Mm. It, and that's what is inferred, or maybe it's uninferred. Is, can you maybe speak to that? Like, there's a, definitely a racist mm-hmm. element to this. Or is there not an environmental attachment on some level? Like, um, I, You know, I, I can't really speak to the environmental only in that, you know, if you're going to create a level playing field, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, most of these athletes come from the poorest tribal villages in the world. They don't have adequate, um, you know, nutrition. They don't have adequate training. So if you're going to level the playing field, take all the, you know, advantaged athletes from, yeah. from America and Europe and put them all in one place. And we all train in one place. That's leveling the playing field. So environmental is 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 one thing, you know, from a racist point of view, again, like I'm not a social scientist. I don't deal with, you know, race and politics as a as a profession. But Dr. Zini Mangabe in the film, and you'll hear it in the narration at the top of the film, some bodies are marked. Men are not marked. Women are marked. Um, and and black and brown bodies are marked in particular ways. They're marked as insufficiently human. How do you categorize, uh, uh, you know, women, people as insufficiently human? Mm. You throw their gender into doubt. And the reference that she made that is not in the film, but that is in a lot of her research, when Michelle Obama was on the cover of Time magazine, she was called all kinds of horrible things yeah. referencing to the animal world. Serena Williams has been called out a gajillion, bajillion times, you know, for being too masculine, too strong, too big. And when women's bodies don't conform to the Eurocentric um, uh, pressures of beauty. So when we're talking about what we look like as opposed to what we can do. So that goes back to your original question. You know, how did this happen? Well, it's 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 all about that women, you know, sort of the conformity and black and brown women's bodies, according to the experts, um, are, are, are perceived and seen in a completely different way, which I think is valid. And again, not coming from me, but quoted uh, from the experts in the film. And certainly racism and human rights. I mean, it's a human rights violation. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, that's the, the what I think. If this isn't happening to black athletes from, you know, the United States, I mean, is it racism or is it just pettiness? Like, like well, 
jealousy like uh, you have to be tested right so you know they choose they, they yeah. hand pick you know they turn right yeah. You know, some of the things that were said about Michelle Obama and have been said about the Williams sisters, that, mm-hmm. that is just disgusting racism. And it's just nothing mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, the, you know, we talk a lot on the show about the, you know, the nonsense going on down in the States. But a lot of that, you know, started with the birther movement and calling yeah. into question. And that just leaked into, you know, there's a whole, you know, category of conspiracy on the Internet that Michelle Obama is a man, et cetera, et cetera. And this is is just another sort of um, offshoot of that. Yes. Help me with this. You were talking about maybe the 40s, 50s, if I recollect the beginning of our conversation, yeah. where they actually did the, the viewing test where they would look at. They still look at, So what's the like back then, like was they thought that this was a man that had been, um, you know, surgically had their penis removed and a reconstruct, reconstructed vagina. Like how? No, they were. What looking, were they looking for? They were looking for what they called uh, female imposters, um, and uh, because meaning, what does that mean though? If they've got a vagina, not a penis, like I don't. What does that mean? Well, that's what they were looking for. So if you, but but then it became. I mean, as recently as, um, you know, in the early 2000s and in the, in the later 2000s, mm. they had diagrams and it was breast size, what your vagina looked like, what your what your anatomy looked like, how you presented. You know what I was thinking when you were talking about that? And I don't know if Fred heard you said it's still happening. If I were the mm-hmm. parent of an Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. If I were your dad in 1984, I don't know that I'd want you examined by strangers to see if you were a girl or a boy. So in 1984, at that time, it was called what was a buccal smear. So even back then, so they scraped the inside of your your mouth and then they checked your chromosomes. Well, we know now, of course, that XX is not woman and XY is not man. We like That's science. I don't know it. Science knows it. Um, but what they did, you guys, in 84, 100%, is if you failed, um, they would put a cast on your leg. And I, you know, I, I, I witnessed an athlete that happened to, and they would put a cast on your leg and send you home and tell everybody that you had an injury. Um, I'm sorry. No, you know, no. Don't say that again. So if, if you failed, if your ex, if your chromosome Makeup didn't work. didn't work, even though you were a female, but you had a an extra. I don't even know the science behind it. Whatever. They would yeah, say whatever. they would disqualify you, mm-hmm. and whatever association, whatever of the archdiocese you were from, mm-hmm. would go along with this shit. No, they would initiate it. They would put a cast on your leg, and everybody, nobody would say, "Oh, they would." It wouldn't be public. Oh, Phyllis failed her her fem test. They would just put a cast on your leg and you would go back to the Olympic Village and you'd say, oh, I, I broke my ankle when I was training today. So and I'm why, why would Phyllis say that? Why would Phyllis go along with that? Like, what would be the repercussions? Why you yeah. think Phyllis would go, my leg's not broken. What are you doing to me? Yeah. You know, it's really I, it's a fantastic. Nobody's asked me this and it's a fantastic point of view. So in 2022, you know, that's a great question to ask. And I don't think athletes if they if they were empowered in North America, would mm-hmm. say they'd say fuck right. off, and they'd say mm-hmm. no fucking way, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. They'd go to the press, they'd cancel them. You know, it would be the social media thing. But 
to understand the dynamic and control and abuse of power in sport, you'd have to have experienced it. Mm-hmm. And having been a, an athlete that was sexually assaulted and experienced emotional, physical, and and uh, abuse um, as a, as an athlete, and and believe me, I'm strong and all that, and I, I you know, and I fought against it a little bit, but then you just get you just get cut. Mm-hmm. So you take you take my uh, lived experience and my privilege and my ability to speak out. But I was, you know, my dad used to say, you can be right, but you can dead right. I went to a movie with an athlete friend of mine who was also an Olympian, and it was um, the film about Harvey Weinstein. And we both sat back at the Mm -hmm. end of the film, and we looked at each other and thought, you know, are you going to say, I don't know. Like, there's particular human that I I could name, you know, and there's a whole falling out of athletes that he assaulted. So that's another sort of harm so if you think about sport as this fabulous place where we're supposed to be grown and be, you know, powerful and, and have and, these and empowering and all of that, which, yes, sport does. But on the other hand of things, when you look at, you know, harm and you look at abuse and you look at say no. And what I say often in, in Q&A's young athletes ask me and I say no is not a sentence. You know, no, no period. So we, we now with everything that's happened, but you take me. OK, fine. I can I can jump out, but I'm still nervous to name a name. You guys would fall off your chairs. Uh, so and because uh, we're going to have to wrap up soon, Phyllis, I want to get this in. So it, it, jumping on Fred's question, which was excellent. Could this and is it still happening? With yeah. the with the proliferation of social media, because until you came on our show twenty five minutes ago, I've never heard of this. Had you, Fred? No. Fred's been a no. sports. Co- Fred's been covering no. sports since the nineteen seventies. I've never heard of it. Um, so how is it allowed to continue? And these kids nowadays, they're not going to take this shit. No, and I think I think and you know. We also have to understand, I'm going to go right to your question in one second, but understand the difference in medical uh, approaches in the North, as like in North America, Europe, <clears throat> as composed to the Sub-Sahara. And um, so when babies are born, as there's, you know, and I mean, they're trying to stop all of these, you know, things when babies are born. And I, you know, there's um, lots of things happen. And um you know, they, that doesn't happen in a, in a tribal village in the global south. But to that point about, um, so if you're, um, if you're a young girl and you're from the poorest village in Limpopo in South Africa and you can run, well, people think it's like some, um, you know, quaint, romantic thing. Well, she ran by in right. her feet every day to school, 16 kilometers. Yeah. Want to know why? Because she didn't have running shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. She, when she gets to win something, she gets money. She feeds her family. She takes, sends her brothers to schools. To she builds her community. Like winning and and being. So, if you don't have a voice, if you don't have an advocate, see the amazing thing for Castor is she had Greg Knott and a bunch of lawyers that came in and helped her. There's a lot of athletes even today. I did a, um, and I'll wrap it up. Yeah, we're going to have a, to wrap it up here, but I yeah. did a, t- a talk in South Africa, and they were talking about. 
all these women that all these young girls that are being targeted right now in different sports. So it is something the film has its own place. And, and I hope that it, I hope it contributes to impact and I hope it contributes to making some things. Well, listen, it, yeah. it certainly contributed to us this morning. Thank you. The uh, film is called category woman. You can stream it now at TVO.org. And uh, Phyllis Ellis, I, what a great chat. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I really enjoyed myself. That was one of the best set of questions I've had, so thanks. Yeah, people have no idea how good we really are. It's something else. Um, <laughs> thanks, yeah. Phyllis. No, that's great. I'll, I'll be watching that yeah. today. Uh, I, I told Fred before the show, I said, hey, I just, just looked at the trailer, and you know, he and I are both interested in a, a bunch of different aspects of the world, but I said, yeah, I think this is going to be good for us because... Um, it's. I had no idea we weren't. We were going to learn what we learned, but I think everyone should check it out. It's called Category Woman, TVO.org. And Phyllis Ellis, uh, what a pleasure! I hope uh, we get a chance to talk to you again. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Here's Phyllis. We've got uh, a lot of business to take care of before the show's over. So, Freddie, let's get to some of it. And the Sherpa's on his way here in a minute or two. Well, what I'm going to do today, uh, Howard, when I talk about Bodong, I'm going to give you the odds for the uh, Masters, which begins tomorrow. And yes. we'll look at them again tomorrow to see if they change. Right now, uh, the favorite, um, two people share that position. Uh, can you tell me who they might be? I'm sorry, you asked the question again. I was just doing something else. What? What was the question? Who's the one? two favorites. They share the favorite position for winning the Masters. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. Yes, uh, right on plus seven fifty, and then you have John Rom at uh, John Rom at thousand uh, and uh, Jordan Spieth at fourteen hundred. Uh, Tiger, yeah, I was going to uh, say, where's Tiger? Tiger, bet a hundred dollars on Tiger, you can win eight thousand. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I would well say a good bet, and I'm not, and I and I would uh, I would I bet you that you can do this on Bodog. Is a yeah. good bet would be Tiger to make the cut. I'd like to go in and see. I bet you there's a. I bet you there's a bet to be had just for that because I don't think. I, of course, I'd like him to, but I don't even know if he can. Only because of the weather, it's going to be terrible. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very uh, difficult golf course. Made more so when it's wet and raining for a guy that has a, a leg that's been rebuilt. You know, after driving off a cliff. You know, it's too bad because Tiger at 46, 47, the last couple of years, had he not have had that in, that injury, I think we would have seen some good golf out of him. But I don't think it's, it's just not possible anymore. Mm, that's right. If, uh, yeah, yeah. He drove off a cliff, Fred. What, what no, you? no, I, listen, it's funny, because I, I was thinking about that yesterday, I saw a little clip of him at the Masters talking to people, and I just thought, what if, it, you know, 2009, 2010, whenever that was, that hadn't happened, or oh, yeah. he hadn't have driven off the cliff, which was probably attached to that, because he was, you know, had his sort of drug problem. Um, with his pain and whatever. It's just what what could have been. We'll never know. Hey, whether you're a sports better, a uh, horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog is your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich uh, feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. So, you know, for your master's action, Bodog is your place. Mm, yeah, man. Very good. And uh, before we get to the Sherps, I want everyone to know this program is uh, brought to you by GoDaddy. 
GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs like you for over 25 years and servicing, check this, 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. You know this. You can start your website for free today. Let's say it's a small business, a side hustle, an online store. Start that website today for free. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they'll be there to help you every step of the way. No credit card is even required. Start your website today for free by visiting GoDaddy. Now we'll go to uh, to say hello to this guy. Let me make sure we got his music. It's been a while since we've had the uh, Sherpa Derpa on the show. You know, I've been traveling. He's been traveling, you know. Yeah. He's everywhere. Uh, let me get the uh, Sherpa music. There we go. And now from his southern office, uh, making people's lives better every goddamn day. Tim Dodd, at RaymondJames.ca is where you find him. And right now you can find him in the uh, Humble and Fred interview chair. It's Tim Niblet, a.k.a. Los Retirement Sherpa. Hello, sir. Good morning, boys. It's so great to see you. It, it's been a while. I can't remember if I give my weight first or my... Blood uh, pressure. My <laughs> okay. It's the following. Blood pressure, weight, and uh, state of your uh, bowel movements. That's optional. That's like a humble, humble and Fred triple crown there. That's <laughs> right. You know, it's funny you say that, because there's been a few emails the last couple of days, Fred, where uh, Hundy Peas have basically signed off with their weight and their uh, and their yeah. blood pressure. Yes, they catch on. <laughs> we, maybe we should start giving our testosterone levels as well. Oh, know. that's right. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. <laughs> find yeah, out you, your testosterone house starts to drop, right? That's oh, yeah. why you find yourself more often than not sitting down to pee. You know that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll take your word for it, Dr. Patterson. Um, hey, Sherpa, where, how have you been? We have not spoken in a while. Things okay, I hope? Yeah, I've been great. Thanks. A couple of weeks ago, I missed because I was doing a member guest with our uh, buddy Gord from uh, Glencairn. Had an awesome time and uh, saw lots of, you know, Glencairn and Northern people down there. Saw the Jays play spring training. Fred would have been jealous against yeah. the uh, Minnesota Twins farm team and in Fort Myers, so oh, nice. yeah, all uh, all good. I mean, the weather's been fantastic down here, so it's it's been good times. There really is something about sitting in a little stadium watching uh, Major League Spring Training baseball, isn't there? It's just uh, that I don't know. It just puts you in a good mood. Beer in hand, cap on, Jays T-shirt, watching the Jays. Yeah, something. It's nice, <laughs> right? And and real fields, and of course, yeah. you're a heck of a lot closer to the. Yep. The game, it's just got a little more relaxation. I, I, I've heard some comments already, uh, and I experienced it. This new uh, pitch clock is long overdue. It yeah. Really mm-hmm. yeah, we were talking about it, and, and, and you experienced it. Uh, it's, it's actually taken, we had this story a few weeks ago, Tim. It's taken like sometimes up to 30 minutes off the game. Uh, I'm going to opening. I'm actually going to go to the home opener next week, and it'll be my first time to sort of uh, take it in. What has it been like? Do you notice? A, a, uh, is it a noticeable difference in terms of the pace? 
spring training, it gets undone a bit because they're doing more substituting of players because of the nature of the, the time of year. But yeah, as far as when they're playing, it's fantastic. I've seen things. I mean, if you think of a player who plays almost every day, if they play 150 games and it's a half hour less per game, 75 hours, that he's not on his feet, that he's not standing around. Well, yeah, watching the Jays game last night, they they gave some stats from uh, opening day last week. Uh, generally, Major League Baseball, it's it's quite dramatic. The time of the games have been reduced. Very cool. So uh, back to uh, business here. The uh, the whole Sherpa process, we've been talking about it for years, and this is uh, another time of the year. People are, you know, obviously aware of tax season and such. The S in the Sherpa process is for what? Right. So I thought now I've missed spring training, uh, as mentioned, but, uh, you know, in any endeavor, business, life, sports, you, you should kind of go back to the basics every once in a while, even the best in the world, dude, in all the sports we follow. Uh, so the, the S is, is setting goals. Have you set and identified what your financial goals are? Uh, I mean, you know, as the old saying goes, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But Mm -hmm. we've all got things that are important to us, and and we should, A, be sure we know what they are, and and B, have a plan to work towards it. And when you work with people, you have to be realistic, too, right? You have to look at your parameters and set a realistic goal. Right. So, you know, as an example, they, they've got to be specific. They've got to be mm-hmm. measurable. Just retire early doesn't count, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, <laughs> if it's retire at 65, then we can work towards that. We can analyze what they're doing currently, uh, what's realistic to expect in the future, uh, and, and, and go there. At least, Fred, in that example, we could say to somebody, hey, if you retired 65, if you continue doing what you're doing, this is what it's probably going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that at least gives them an idea. And and then what's super cool about that is it allows them to shape their discussions a bit, uh, usually a couple, of course, right, about what's important to them as far as to how long each of them will work for, whether they're going to stay in their current home forever or if they're going to tap into it and uh, do some Sherpa size and to try to uh, get at some of the equity in there to create an income. So w- once you know that first piece, a lot of the decisions and thoughts and actions really fall together nicely. Do you find that people are, um, I mean, obviously setting a goal and then and seeing some numbers on a page, are people generally, um, do they overshoot, meaning that they think they have more than they, that their, their money's going to last longer than it, it, it is? Or or is there some discussions like, you know, listen, given what you have, you know, you can't retire until this time or based on what kind of lifestyle you want to have? I will say lots of times people are thankfully kind of pleasantly surprised. Okay. Uh, taking government programs into account, again, maybe taking the equity of their home into account, uh, certainly their savings and investments. But, you know, we can also, we got a cool program. I mean, you can spend more your first 10 years of retirement and less the next 10 and and so on, whatever works for you. Uh, so it's it's just, 
It's I well, if you golfed a whole round and didn't know what you shot, maybe that'd be good in a way. You <laughs> a little bit. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love doing that. Personally, I think. But it doesn't great. work in finances quite as no. well. If Howard is wanting to make the cut for some Ontario yeah. Open, like he yeah. should kind of be paying attention to how he's shooting. And, and there are certain realities too. Like someone might say to you, uh, Tim, I want to retire in Florida, and then you can look at their stuff and go, Nah, maybe you're going to retire in Mexico. <laughs> That's right. No, you're going to be right? going. You're going to be retired yeah. in Paris, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was around, both Freddie and I were around uh, a lot of uh, people in their, you know, late 60s, 70s and beyond in retirement. And um, and I think there's a conversation to be had with the Sherpa, too, about the realities of retirement. You know, I've never really experienced. Uh, these are men and women that are now eight and nine and 10 years into retirement. And just to see what life is like, you know, and and maybe you're maybe after a conversation, you know, they're not ready to retire. I mean, I, you know, being the age I am and Freddie, we were some of the youngest guys that we were sort of hanging around, you know, and I don't know. I'm not ready to be to be detached from life quite yet. But, you know, so some people who be talking to you might say, yeah, we, we need to, you know, we want to spend a couple of months away, but not forever away. Right, we're all different, right? We had some uh, pretty youngish uh, clients who came through the uh, show, thanks again, uh, and, and they're like far afield on an island uh, living their retirement dream, right? And and so far, so good. It's working out great for them, but, you know, we're, we're all different. Uh, I'll never claim that I come down here every winter just to see how other people handle retirement. But, you <laughs> For know, research that, purposes. That's right. We're, my work is never done, I'll tell you, but... You know, every day I interact with people who've been retired for 5, 10, 20, sometimes 30 years. God bless them. And, yeah. and so this is my little Petri dish on retirement uh, down here. Yeah. And I, I wasn't kidding because when I was in Mexico, I thought a lot. I saw the price of, you know, what a condo would be there and would be in Florida. And the price of groceries are dramatically lower in Mexico than they are Florida. I know that the comparison to last year and just all the sort of attachments and what you would spend in American dollars retiring in Mexico really is an option for somebody that couldn't dream of retiring in uh, Florida. So again, other things that you might look at uh, with your own landscape, right? Right. So that's, again, where the kind of numbers start out. Maybe you want to go to the south of France. Maybe you mm -hmm. want to go to another part of uh, of Europe or whatever. Uh, maybe to Nimo, right? You might want to go to British Columbia or something, stay mm -hmm. in, in Canada and have more temperate. But uh, Or, of course, stay where you are. Like, we're, we're going through this personally right now. I'm not 100% certain when I'm going to retire, and we're not 100% mm -hmm. certain how long we want to live in our current home. And, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But the numbers yep. always help make the thought process a little bit uh, more directed, at least. Well, I think the takeaway from today is obviously to have a conversation, you know, starting with the S in Sherpa, setting and identifying your financial goals. But as you can tell from this conversation, it has so many wide-reaching and various, uh, you know, sort of offshoots of that concept. And uh, it's great to have a, a sounding board like Tim to uh, to bounce this stuff off of because as you say you've, you've not only got experience as a financial advisor but you're around as you say you're you're around a lot of people that are already doing what a lot of us want to do someday and need a little guidance to be honest with you as to how best to uh, pull it off there's definitely right ways and wrong ways to do it of course right and and it is specific to the individual's 
but uh yeah it, it's a great time right we we've uh worked a long time to get here we've looked forward to it and all and and success leaves clues uh you know so it, it's important to see what's worked for others and see if it could fit for you fantastic and enjoy yourself because you never know what's That's around right. the corner. Hey, um, so heart rate jokes aside, how is your heart rate? Well, it's still high. I, I don't know what we're going to do about that, but uh, the energy level's great. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm very active. I'm going to go for a walk between appointments uh, today, golfing a few times a week, as you know. So Nice. Uh, en- energy's great. I did have to go back on Noom just to tie into the weight thing. Uh, so that'll whip me back into shape. I, Fantastic. Uh, I well, I, I wanted to catch up with you uh, personally. I this I because I, I also I was I don't know if you caught the show, but I was experiencing some elevated heart rates uh, when I first got there because it's six thousand feet, and it took me almost three weeks to get back to sort of a normal. Even the Fred man, we were hanging out one day early, and I said, "What's?" Because we were got their health gauge watch. I said, "Let me see your heart rate," and it was like ninety nine. Oh yeah. Mm. Freddie was spiking, man. It happens. Yes, yes, yes. It's different. All right. Well, listen, sir, stay well, be well, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long before we see each other at the old uh, ladies' night. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it, and uh, we'll look forward to catching you guys next week. Right happy on, Easter, brother. everybody. All right, right yes. On, and uh, happy Passover to our Hebrew friends. Boy. <laughs> are you going to do your little sign-off, or you, you've lost uh, the appetite for that? Oh, it's been weeks. I can't remember. Let me uh, find my Enjoy and prosper. Enjoy and profit all. Uh, right. There you go. All right. I love the fact that Tim's caught on to the heart rate, weight, and bowel movement bit. Uh, Tim are you going to, uh, when are you going to do your Easter joke? Uh, maybe tomorrow. Tim.niblet at uh, RaymondJames.ca. Today is uh, the first day of Passover. I'm going to ex-wife Randy's. Uh her place for dinner tonight for the first Seder. Mainly, it's just uh, another chance to see my kids. What will you eat? Just some Jew food, you know. Just what stuff. is Jew food? Jew food. Matzah ball? Matzah ball? Yeah, Spencer made matzah ball soup. All right. And uh, I like matzah ball soup. You would love it. Yeah, it's really good. It's like basically chicken soup with, uh, you know, these matzah balls which are basically matzah meal which is you know how matzah is made and then they make them it's really good and there's some other crush up uh uh, premium saltines in it would would that be i think no i think that would defeat the purpose of uh okay i think you knew that you hilarious comedic genius you no, when I was a kid, I used to make Campbell's tomato soup for lunch when I'd come home from school, and I'd crush so many crackers, and mm. it would almost be like mush. Oh, I see. I thought you were being funny. And lots of pe- pepper. But the problem is, uh, it, at, at Seder, Passover, Jews don't eat bread, so crackers wouldn't... Oh, see, that's see, I thought you were being. I thought head. you were being a comedic genius. No, if I'd have paid attention over the past 40 years working with you, then maybe I would have caught on, but sorry. Yeah, so the, uh, the Passover is commemorating the Jews' exodus from Egypt, where they had to go it's so funny the story is so full again religion but it's so dumb this story in a way because the jews are like finally uh, moses convinced the pharaoh to let my people go and if you've seen the ten commandments charles heston charlton heston and uh yule brenner so he says to yule brenner hey let my people go and finally after all these plagues and death
death and frogs and locusts. Yo Brenner says, yeah, okay, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like the Jews didn't have time to let the bread rise. So we eat matzah for eight days, which you want to talk about constipated. But here's my Crazy. problem with this story. Did, did there Was there an, on the way to let my people go? Didn't some Jews go, hey, listen, on the off chance that we're going to get out of here, why don't we make some fucking bread and let it rise? It's almost like, hey, it's Tuesday. We got to go. Oh, well, we have no time for bread. Didn't they? Wasn't have, there? Wasn't there a bit of manna going in there? Wasn't there like? Yeah, but that's manna, different. No manna. manna that's from a, that's from a different story. Um, oh. But but didn't they have bread? Couldn't they have taken the bread that had already risen? These are the questions I'll be asking tonight, and everyone make, mm-hmm. and then making everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> manna is a different story. I thought it was. The same yeah, thing. manna from heaven. Is it? Well, I think manna from heaven. Sorry, Dan, you're right. Same story. The Jews were out in the desert for 40 years wandering around. And when the Mots ran out, they're like, what are we going to eat, Lord? And he made uh, this stuff come down from the sky. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, that happens every day. Why are Jews so complicated? Mm. Why is religion so ridiculous? Mm. Like, think about that. Think about that story. I know. I know. Oh, yeah. I we know. had manna. They came down from heaven. Oh, did it? Did it really? So well, the, the best part of all that is you ended up with some chicken soup anyway. No, exactly. I, you know what the best part of it all? I mean, I'm just hanging out with my babies tonight. That's the best part of it. Are you yeah. going to go through the rigmarole of all the, no. the, the things? No, I like the no. That'll be tomorrow night. I was invited to uh, another Jew do tomorrow night, but I'm not going just for that reason. I can't do the whole. Is service. that when you light the Isadora? Yes, that's when you. <laughs> that's when. <laughs> <laughs> you like the Isadora. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wine, the quintessential genius. man, his voice. Alibaba, nice Alibaba. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from uh, my kitchen Is there any coffee left, by the way? No, I just poured the last in uh, God damn it We're going to make some more I'm going to make some more Uh, Live from the kitchen Are you going to put those dishes away? Are you going to put the dishes away? (laughs) whole idea of a coffee maker is to make the coffee. Yeah. Are you going to put the we dishes away? We can make some more. It's a coffee maker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you going to put the dishes away? Yeah, the dishes are almost away. No, no, but you, you you cleaned up, but you didn't put them actually away, which I found fascinating. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're saying because I washed them last night, I left them in the thing. Yeah, so I, I made dinner. I made dinner. I said, Dan, I put my, I put most of the dishes away. I said, listen, Dan, could you just clean this uh, oven thing? And uh, there's, there's the... Um, well, they're, they're the, drying the now. Pan. I'll probably put them away. Drying you now. You have a dishwasher. You have a dishwasher. No, but, but this was like the, the oven like the oven dish, the big one, oh, right. and a frying pan. And I said, just do those. So I come down this morning, and he, he washed them, but he didn't dry them. They don't take well, that long. Drive you, you, okay. You do. It's, <laughs> you dry. You fucking you dry, dry everything with a towel? They yeah, I do. It's, that's what it's for. It's called a drying towel. Okay, well, I new lesson there. Fred, let me ask you a question. When you've when you've done your washing, do you just leave it there for days? Is that what you do? Uh, no, I'm from New York. Like when I'm at the trailer and there's not a, a dishwasher, I like if I wash the dishes, I dry them and put them away immediately. Mm-hmm. Some people like put them in the sink and let them drip drip dry. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's what Dan is. But it, it's not what I. It's not what I do, but you know, different strokes, I guess. Well, since we're into it. It's like it's like the job isn't. I'm sorry. Since we're into it, what? 
Well, there is a there is a, a rule, uh, not a rule, a, uh, a thought process out there that drying is not the best idea because you're transferring germs from the tea towel that you're drying with oh, yeah. onto uh, the dishes. And the fucking so, statistics of people that have died from that is crazy. But here's what I'm not surprised <laughs> about, that you actually have some justification for your your abject laziness. That's what I No, no, that's no, what no. I do. That's up at the okay. trailer. I, I do let it air dry no, for right. a while. I don't, I don't immediately, And you know what's you know, weird, too, is he oh, doesn't like to dry his bag after he has a shower. He just walks around and dry, lets it air dry. It's like... When you let it air dry, what about all the germs in the air? Yes, Dan. What There's about those? There's germs everywhere. Oh. Well, not the germs that are on the <laughs> Germs. So what you do then is you get a fresh towel from the towel area, and then right. you dry it with that. Or is there? Yeah. Or does that not work for you either? No, that that works. So, you know, a fresh towel every right. every uh, dry would be the better be the way to go. All right. This is another episode of the Odd Couple. And now with uh, <laughs> so to review, no coffee, dishes still in the sink. Um, all right. When will they air, when will they be air dried enough for you to put them away? Well, it'll be a, by the time you get up here after the show, right. here, they'll be away with news sure. and. <laughs> <laughs> with with news and views, here's Anchorman and Kitchen Custodian. <laughs> I, I didn't take a hint. Dan Duran. Media mogul Rupert Murdoch and former San Francisco police chaplain Anne Leslie Smith have called off their engagement. No. Now, he was he was 92, or I guess is. He's still in his. And uh, she was is 65. So oh. there's a bit of an age gap there, and and but that is not what really put this down. Uh, You'll be interested to know that uh, it seems that Rubar, uh, Rupert Rup- didn't like all the god talk. <laughs> Rhubarb. <laughs> so he pulled out his billionaire penis and said, "Okay, there's enough of that." That's according to a Vanity Fair source that uh, Rupert had become increasingly uncomfortable with Smith's outspoken evangelical views. Yeah. Yet he runs a network where all those phony bastards, that's all they ever scream about is Mm. Christianity and God Mm. and uh, God shit. Yeah. Too much God for Rupert. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. He's 92. That was pretty interesting. You know, like uh, I'm just trying to imagine at that age. Those, that age difference there is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'd say. You know what I mean? And you can't help but think, my goodness, 65 years old. I mean, that's still young. I like to think that. Don't you, Dan? Yes. You know, hitting 65, yeah. you're still young. You're still um, young. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, to a 92-year-old guy. And then you're thinking, I don't know what her job or what her title was and how much money she would have behind her. But you can't help but think she's gold digging. I'm sorry. The first thing that hits my mind. You know, comes to my mind. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Why is you know ninety two? I don't know what you're still doing. You know, I had this conversation last week because somebody that I knew uh, passed away. Her husband uh, is now ninety seven, and but when he was eighty seven, he left her for uh, another woman who was a similar age, maybe a little bit younger. And as I said to somebody last, yeah, I said to somebody last week, when you're 87 years old, like, where do you get the energy to leave your wife and run off with another woman? I said, just have a fucking nap. Just relax, you know. Just take a nap, watch the masters, let everything just play out. How, uh, How do you get the energy at 87 to go, all right, let me get all my shit out of here. Go move it to somewhere else. Last night on CNN, while watching all the 
orange stuff. Um, I, I, a couple of times, the commercial came up for generic Viagra. It like costs like thirty percent of the genuine Viagra, and I guess you. I guess at eighty seven ninety two, you're popping that stuff to you know to service the gold digger. I guess I don't. I don't know. But fine. But yeah. that's fine. What I'm just wondering, though, is all the rigmarole of, yeah. you know, g- lawyers and houses and moving. Just thinking about it makes me tired. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Dan Duran, uh, do you have any other stories or are you going to start putting things away in the kitchen? <laughs> I've got one more story. You want it? But, I do. Uh, I do. You want me to work on that? I no, no, know. I do. I want this. is all important. Right. All right. Uh, now with his second story uh, here and prior to closing the cupboards. <laughs> Here is, here's Dan DeRue. Dan DeRue. There are big bucks in the grocery biz, mm. and the big wigs at Loblaw uh, thought that the uh, the guy in charge wasn't getting enough, so they gave him a big, huge uh, raise. So grocery executive Galen Weston received a $1.2 million raise in 2022, bringing good. his total pay to $11.79 million. Oh, it's good. After... Consultants were hired by his family, uh, the family control company, to determine that he was underpaid. So they had to give him a little bit more to, you know, juice up his. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just read an article this morning, maybe yesterday morning, about they've done a survey and generally Canadians, they're mad at the grocery industry. Yeah. Most Canadians believe there's a lot of gouging going on. Yeah. And, you know, they had that royal commission or whatever they call it in Ottawa some time ago. And. The three big grocery guys were there and pleaded their case. Oh, no, you know, we're, we're feeling it, too. Meanwhile, posting record profits. But Canadians aren't buying it. Yeah. And I'm not either. Right, well, you are a Canadian not buying it. Well, what uh, they were saying in those hearings is that, that they, they weren't changing their percentage of take at all. But what really was happening, if it's 30% of whatever they mark something up, if the price of the core price goes up a little bit, if you're taking a percentage, you get more. You're not making so much per item. You're making a percentage more. But they are. So that's why they're making so much more money. Yeah. So they've kind of stayed with their model, but not really. And I look at... You know, I look at things that I buy all the time. You know, they're talking about groceries are going up 10%. And again, I'm going to say it again. My Renee's Chunky Blue Cheese yes. dressing. Yeah. Forever it was four ninety nine. Now it's 6 something. And there's a few other items that I buy all the time, like yogurt. It's up way more than 10%. So I don't know where they're getting this 10%. And I guess, you know, it's a blanket thing that arrives at 10%. But it seems everything I touch is up way more than 10%. Dan, I wish you would have told me that the last story was about grocers and Galen Weston because I thought we were going to get out of here, but I realize. <laughs> and one other. Let me real, throw this by. Keep going. Okay, here we go. Here we let go. Let me throw this by. There's a Sobeys right near me. Okay. And right now when you go in there, it's just a construction zone. And mm. I said, what's going on to the guy, the assistant manager? And he goes, oh, we're renovating the store. And I immediately think to myself, is this the time to be re- renovating a store? When Canadians can't put food in their tables. Well, this is this is it. Is this the and, time to know, be giving Galen Weston a raise when he's already got yeah. the perception of gouging us? And, you know, these plans may have been in place for years and whatever. But the thing is, I walk in there and I think, OK, so I'm paying six forty nine for Renee's chunky blue cheese dressing. Now. Mm. 
how much more am I going to pay to pay for for these renovations? How much would you? Here's not necessary. How much would you pay for Renee's chunky blue cheese dressing? What would the, it's like asking a smoker? Because when smokers, mm. we used to pay five dollars a pack. People would say, "Well, if it got to ten dollars a pack, I'm going to quit smoking." What is the Renee's what? But they a lot of them did. Right. A lot of them went to twenty bucks a pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the number next to Renee's chunky blue cheese dressing that you <sighs> would say no more, Renee, and well, make your own? It's getting close. It's getting close. Really? In fact, I've tried a couple of cheaper ones, like mm. you know, like generic brands, like the like um, you know, guard um, compliments or irresistible. Mm. Yeah, compliments. Just not okay. The same. Just not the same. Well, let's. Can we make your own? So you can make your own. Make your own. Oh, and I, I was going to say, well, yes. can we continue this tomorrow? Because I have another show to do. <laughs> I mean, can we? We'll start with. It can't one. be any more compelling than this. No, no, it's not. It's about. It's but I haven't. It's not on this subject. But tomorrow we're going to start off with Renee's blue cheese dressing. <laughs> right. We'll get. To, we'll get right back okay, at we'll it. We'll pick this right up. So tomorrow we're going to do heart rate, uh, weight loss, <laughs> diarrhea or constipation, and what's the Renee's blue cheese chunky blue cheese dressing? Fucking dressing. <laughs> Very good. You know, I, I, I've got a really good idea. You know, you're doing the the uh, on Friday. Now you're doing the- emails. The email show. Yes, no emails Maybe for tomorrow. a weekend show. You could do a, a Saturday. Yes. You could do a, a Saturday what? special what? every week that, that covers all the, you know, the heart monitor problems and, you know. Oh, I see. Yes. Right, right, kind of, you know, we could. Special, he's got uh, a good point. We, we've got a travel show. I do a golf show. We do this show. We could do a health show. Yeah. Easily fill that. Uh, okay. Settle down now. <laughs> okay. No. All of a sudden, it's okay. Let's not do it anymore than we're doing like now. Sounds like a little more work than we're Settle doing right now. I want to get back to something that Dan said a few minutes ago. I think uh, he'd be a lot more likable character if his name was Rhubarb. <laughs> Rhubarb. I think if his name was Rhubarb Murdoch, I might like him better. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. To see you tomorrow. Oh, by the and do emails. Lots of emails. We'll do that on Friday. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, this episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. We read all those emails. We even talk about it on the air. And now there's the Friday episode. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking, subscribing, hearts, stars, that really all helps us out by making the show more visible and, of course, then more po- uh, popular and maybe profitable for us. For Humble and Fred... I'm Dan Duran, and remember, put your dishes away the night you're watching in the new ways to know. And don't forget, Alibaba, Alibaba. Enjoy every goddamn day. Fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?